In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. I'm here with, as Neil Reynolds say, one of the biggest Browns fans ever, Mark Sessler. Mark, let's talk about the Browns roller coaster this week. How did you feel after the Browns won? I felt relieved, I think, because if you look at the end of the season and the way that Corona struck the team before the Jets game and you lose to the Jets in an effort that I thought was not, you know, it was suspect, but there were issues about why that happened. But the problem is you lose to the Jets and Four days later, that's all that anyone remembers. There's no nuance to it. And then you have to deal with Pittsburgh. And I thought Cleveland was in a kind of a fix because, like, if they win, everyone's like, you just beat the Steelers' backups. Um, it doesn't, you're not, it doesn't, you didn't prove anything and you've just lost to the Jets. So, but here's the thing they got in and it's been 18 years. I felt relieved. Um, and then, you know, as the days went on, I felt really proud of this team. I thought that they, you know, they've, they're well coached for the first time in, 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 in this century. Uh, there are some players to get uh, really excited about for the first time this century. And I think that they fought through adversity. They hadn't lost two games, you know, in a row all year. Um, when they've lost, they've bounced back really well. And that's what they did against Pittsburgh. And, and um, you know, and then some other news occurred and my um, overall excitement lessened a little bit. <laughs> and uh, tell us, uh, where were you watching the game? Uh, were you working or were you actually really focused on the game? Yeah, we're working on Sundays. So, you know, I'm talking to you here in our little makeshift office and I've got a huge like screen to my right. And what we do is we use the same um, international game pass that a lot of UK uh, viewers would watch because that's the only way to watch them live. And so I'll have four games on at the same time. And, you know, you're taking notes and on everything you can see. So the Browns game was packed into that. And it, you know, it's honestly the easiest weeks I find work-wise or when the Browns are on by or have a night game, because you could kind of just not be involved in anything um, for me. That's kind of gets my heart racing. It's sort of just covering other teams. And um, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster emotionally trying to watch the Browns, uh, you know, squeak one out against the Steelers to get into the playoffs where I was also tracking um, like a Bengals Ravens game and taking notes at, on that at the same time and thankful that that was in blowout territory early. But no, we're always working on the Sundays. And so, um, you know, it's part of that overall workday experience, which is like a 10 or 11 day, 11 or hour day. Mark, I don't think anyone from the NFL networks listened to this. Did you switch off the other screens and just focus on the Browns? <laughs> You know what I do? It's like, I, I kind of, because I, we cover two games at the same time typically. And so because I was on that Ravens Bengals and, and I went into the weekend picking that as my second game, fingers crossed that it'd be a wipeout early. And it was very clear who was going to win that and how. So I, I like second half of the Browns Steelers game, you know, you can pick one of them to kind of have your, your sound attached to. I dug in, I did dig into that in the second half. And I don't think the NFL network would be too, uh, too annoyed, hopefully. <laughs> And then literally the Brownsy roller coaster. And I made a big call on Sunday. I said, the Brownsy days are finished. And maybe I cursed it, I don't know. But what happened yesterday, I don't know. Like, 
everything just suddenly suddenly fell off a cliff for the Browns. You know, we are underdogs. I think we were three under, I think, with the bookies. I don't know what we are now. But, yeah, Kevin Savatsky is now not going to be coaching. Uh, Alex Van Pelt's going to step up. You know, what was your first reaction to that? You know, it was kind of like yours a little bit where I was thinking, did I, is this my fault? Did I get too happy or inside or too hopeful um, about what could be ahead? And then, you know, they're always, they're always, um, but here's what's a little different about this team. I, I think that even listening to Kevin Stefanski's press conference today, that there's just this sort of calm that he exudes. He, there's not a lot of, they're not a, like a, they are on a roller coaster inside the building. I think the overall experience is following them this year because, because it includes highs. Usually it's just, you know, after September, October, you're flatlining and, and thinking about the new coach you're going to hire, uh, you know, what quarterback you might draft, where you'll be drafting. Um, not all the questions and the concerns this time are about how to be prepared for a playoff game. It's a totally new experience. Um, so I, part of me is like, look, they still have a game to play. Uh, I think the coaching thing is huge because Stefanski to me strikes me as one of the league's better play callers. And when they get into a flow, that has to do with play calling. But he works hand in hand with Alex Van Pelt throughout the week and on games too. And he expressed like huge confidence in AVP coming in and calling a good game. And um, I think that that will be the case. I don't think the offense will suddenly look drastically different. I mean, they've been working on this offense in unison all year long, but you are missing your lead guy. And part of it is he's a good game day coach and he makes good decisions and you're going to have to lean on, they're missing a bunch of assistants. And I think that's, that gets to the point where we aren't coaches. We aren't involved um, in the NFL planning process for a week, you know, planning for an opponent. What does it mean to lose four or five assistants? I think, I think that, you know, it, it, they've been through a lot. They've been really used to remote learning, but um, on a game day thing, I mean, you kind of like you, you've prepared all week. The game, day, the game day stuff is where you just let it all out. Like there shouldn't be a lot of surprises. The same way that a, like when you go into the draft, there shouldn't be a lot of surprises inside the building on who you select, you know. And so I, I, I think that the bigger issues might be losing someone like Joel Batonio. It might be losing Olivier Vernon to injury. I mean, those, that's immense. Yeah, I think uh, Joel Batonio was probably the biggest loss. I know he didn't have the best of games or he gave away a few penalties against the Steelers. But, yeah, Hodge is out. Nick Harris is out, who could have potentially played that right guard. And I, I believe that, according to the um, official uh, depth chart, a guy called Michael Dunn could be making his debut as um, the replacement tackle. And with my research, if I'm correct, he hasn't played one NFL game. So, uh, yeah, you know, that could be a worry. Yeah, I mean, Michael Dunn has been a practice squad guy. They have Kendall Lamb, who could play. I mean, I guess you could put him in at left guard. It could isn't be he, done. Isn't he fighting injury? He could play. He may not play. Or he, they're. I think they're just going through this week on what uh, they're they're gonna and they can't really practice. I mean, it's, it's TBD if they get together today. Um, and you know, they don't know a lot about Dunn. I mean, uh, to your point, that he's barely played. So it is not optimal. I mean, I'd flip it around and say that you look at the games and the offensive splits when. Wyatt Teller hasn't been in at right guard. Um, they've been lucky. I mean, there are other teams out there that have lost left tackles and right tackles and key pieces on the line. I mean, Cleveland, you know, outside of missing Teller for a couple of games, have been pretty fortunate on the injury front. But when they haven't had Teller, um, you know, and there are other factors involved, but like their run 
numbers and, and all sorts of protection stats um, go off a cliff. And so losing Batonio, who is, you know, a, a, a true leader and someone that's been through, if you think the, everything that the fans have been through, Batonio's been through as a player. And he sort of was that heir apparent um, leader on the line after Joe Thomas left. I mean, he kind of, I think, you know, Joe Thomas trained him up to be what he is on, on the leadership side of things too. So it's a huge loss. And, um, but, they, but they've been dealing with this stuff for three straight weeks now, if you think about it. I mean, they've had major Corona issues for weeks and weeks. And Ohio is an area of the country that is, um, you know, Cleveland specifically sprouting with Corona. It's a real rough place. And so that, that plays into it. I mean, some of it is, I think the NFL believes this came from, you know, community contact, not within the building. That's why they're not calling it an outbreak. So, I mean, that tells you sort of about what's going on um, from the civic side of things. This morning I woke up and we also hear Hodge, um, uh, Jarek Wills has been caught drag racing in Cleveland, you know, what's tomorrow? You just don't know with the Browns, do you? You Yeah. I mean, I'll take drag racing all day long over some of the other stuff at this point, but um, I, you know, that's, they, that, that you just have to stay focused. They talked about the fact that they gathered the team and kind of mentioned that and said, you know, teams don't tell you what they say in those issues. They, it, they, they'll deal with that down the road. It, it was, you know, I don't think it, it, it's the most serious thing on the planet, but it, we, but you're right that it's just like this also. Can we, can we just um, possibly get through the week quietly into the game? But um, that's, not, that's not the way Cleveland is operating at the moment. Um. Mark, how can you how can you see the Browns beating the Steelers this Sunday? Well, I think it's you know it shouldn't be a huge mystery to Pittsburgh either what Cleveland's going to do. I think that you know they were they did not put Chubb into uh, you know high usage last week, and I think you're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb. I think you could see a little bit of um, Kareem Hunt uh, split out wide and playing wide receiver to make up for some, you know, for the Hodge loss there to some degree. But how do you beat them? I think that if you track losses um, that the Steelers have had, and there are very few that involve Big Ben, it's um, getting to Big Ben, which is a t- which is a tall order with the Vernon out, uh, and, and creating mistakes. I know it sounds simple, but if you get into a game where Big Ben is thrown um, a couple interceptions. And, you know, that creates short drives for Cleveland and Cleveland can execute the way that they have in some of their game. You look at their, you know, their first half against like Baltimore in the second matchup against the Ravens. And you look at the first half against Tennessee, they need to play that kind of, kind of game against the Steelers. Um, They've done it before. So you're not calling for something that they, that they're inexperienced to, but last week, even the offense went to sleep for drives in a row in the second half. And I don't think you can afford a slump because Watching what Pittsburgh did last week through the air, and you know they've been in, they've they went through a rough month of their own on offense. But throwing the ball on Cleveland's secondary is not a is not a is not too much to ask. I mean, Cleveland's defense is probably going to give up about thirty something points in this game, and so Cleveland's offense is going to have to be pristine and work and, and keep Baker Mayfield safe. I mean, it's a lot of these things at once because I don't think the Browns match up particularly well with the Steelers. I just don't. I don't compare to other teams because. Even last week, they had four sacks with, with their first, round, first string pass rushers all out of the game. Something about the Steelers uh, and what they do is a big problem for Cleveland's offense and has been you know, through multiple meetings. So um, you got to keep Baker Mayfield safe and you've got to make life very difficult for Big Ben. It's ironic you say that because I think we're a mismatch to, to the Ravens as well. You know, their running game and, you know, we, 
we're kind of we want to have our own identity, but then four games a season we've got to play against the Steelers and the Ravens. You know, do you draft heavy against the, the Ravens running? You know, and uh, on the flip, Steelers are the, probably the worst runners in the league. So, um, you know, we are in a catch twenty two situation. You know, when we come against these two. Yeah, I think that's like a huge going to be a huge like off season focus. Because, again, it goes back to sort of the back half of the defense. You know, the linebacking group has – they've had – they, they don't really have, like, true starters there. They've rotated guys all year, and they've lost guys to injury. They've lost guys to corona. Um, the secondary has – I can't think of a game where the Browns had all their healthy defensive starters together. I mean, not in months. They've, had, they've been a patchwork secondary. And they've – you know, opponents and offenses – have seen that and take total advantage. And so they're not particularly good at um, dealing with the type of team Pittsburgh is right now. And the Ravens are just, when, they're, when you get that version of the Ravens that they've been over the last couple of weeks, they're running through everyone. They're running for almost 300 yards a game. And it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. So Cleveland, I mean, you look at the, what the Panthers did a year ago where they drafted all defense. I think Cleveland could get, could get close to that because I think they're just, they have a bunch of guys on one-year contracts um, on that side of the ball. I think they just wanted to get through this season. Um, they lost Grant Delpit, their safety, the rookie who I think was going to be a huge part of this defense. So, the, you know, it's, it is going to look very different next year. And I think you could have a very young defense with some high draft picks attached to it. And uh, the mystery behind everything this week, Denzel Ward, do you think he's going to be playing? Well, he just has to test negative. Uh, you know, he's – because you – know, I think that the NFL did a solid to the, to, for the Browns and the Saints on the Alvin Kamara front to put those games on Sunday. I, I would hope that that was, that was a consideration because it opened the door for Denzel Ward to come back. Um, it opened the door for New Orleans to have like Alvin Kamara back potentially. And, you know, it, it is interesting with a lot of these positives, they, sent, they, they test negative a week later. It's, you don't, there aren't a bunch of guys who have been out for four or five weeks. There are a couple of those and, and they, there hasn't been a lot of press about that, but most of these guys on Cleveland's um, positive list have come back, um, you know, relatively quickly. And if, if Ward's feeling fine um, and is asymptomatic and test negative, he'd be in there. And that changes a lot because without him, they just don't have that guy. Greedy Williams has not played all year. There is mention that Greedy Williams, uh, but you get him in the first time all season in a playoff game. I, I don't know what, what that will look like. Yeah, I think B, um, B.J. Goodson uh, will be good if he comes back. I think we've, mess, we've missed him as a leader in that uh, linebacker room. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mark, what's your score prediction? All right, so before all of this stuff happened, I predicted that the Browns, and I really thought the Browns were going to win this game, and I predicted 37-34. Um, so, look, I don't think that that score makes nearly as much sense uh, right now. But I'm just going to stick with it because I think the playoffs are weird. Um, Cleveland has been in a game, been in, been in sort of shootout mode with opponents all season. So what that prediction says to me is I think the defense is going to do what it does, which is give up a lot of points. Uh, you're not going to, you know, make, you're not going to probably keep Pittsburgh under 20. I just don't see that happening. So uh, you're going to need the offense to explode and you're going to need them probably to get up early so that they can lean on the run game. I think a big problem for Cleveland would be if they get down early and they get thrown off their script and then, you know, giving the ball to, to Chubb and Hunt um, 40 times doesn't really loom as a possibility. Um, early lead, hang around. They're obviously going to give up points down the stretch. I also stick with 37-34. I mean, at this point, 
Why not, right? I'm going to go 28, 27. A little bit more reserved. Yeah. I'm English. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and the last thing to finish up with, uh, I'm sure all of our Mer- English listeners would want to know, are you going to come to the UK this year? Well, we were, we would love to. We're, it was like a huge disappointment not to come this season because of, you know, obviously we can't. Um, and I think it's just like TBD. I, the next thing I want to see is when they roll out the NFL schedule in, in late April, will that include um, games in London? I, I think that the NFL is so determined to have that be a huge part of the experience. Um, do you schedule them and then, you know, reassess? I think you do. I think you'd schedule them and then see where we are um, next autumn. But that is a huge question mark that if I could answer that, I would be making a lot more money than I am making right now. It's interesting, Mark, because many years ago, straight after the season finished, they started putting up some of the teams that were going to come across, the guaranteed teams. And um, last year was the first year that they really brought it to April. Yep. And, um, yeah, because the Browns versus Jags was the game that everyone said. I don't know if you've got inside there, Mark, if if there's any truth there, but um, they said that NFL said that, or the Jags said it was the Browns, versus the Jags in London. So, um, well, I don't know if that's, I don't know where we are with that one, but I mean, you're looking obviously to Jaguars franchise that is extremely pro UK. And I'd put the Browns in that, um, in that category too. Uh, especially when the Browns are really struggling, I think that they were open to exposure any way they could get it. Um, but I think in general, um, there are teams that would rather never go to London and it's typically the coaches, like it, it's just a disruption to coaches, but you've got organizations that are more open to it. And uh, I think Cleveland would be one of those, one of those teams. Yeah. The Packers are the only team never comes to the UK. Well, you know, Matt LaFleur, he's got a new energy. He's young. Maybe he's in, interested in traveling. Aaron Rodgers seems like uh, he'd be into seeing other parts of the world. I'm sure he's been to London like 25 times, but yeah. yeah. All right, great. Well, look, Mark, it's a shame we're not going to see you, but I'm so excited that, we are going to see the Browns in the playoffs. And let's not forget, we are 11 and 5, you know. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know. I didn't predict we would do that so well. I thought we were going to be 8 and 8 till, to six, uh, 10 and 6. And, you know, we've done, we've done better. And uh, do you think Kevin should get a manager of the year? Well, I think that those, the way that that vote is done... Um, it's, it's interesting because it's not typically done by people that have watched every Browns game or every, every game. It's AP writers and um, it's very narrative driven. I think he fits in the kind of um, bubble that voters would, would be attracted to. I think the Jets loss hurt um, because it's sort of what it's, it really comes, sometimes comes down to how you finish. And uh, I think the Jets loss hurt because of the lack of sort of nuance attached to that game. And then not being here for the playoff game probably hurts too. Um, but I would put him in the top three. And I think someone like Sean McDermott of the Bills would be someone. And look, at, I know they were a playoff, game, a playoff team last year, but he's the person I think that um, they've gotten a lot markedly better. Uh, they, are, they feel like a Super Bowl team in waiting to me. And they, he has been an excellent coach in Buffalo. So I think you could see a push for that. I mean, I think they, they're making the votes this week before these, this round of playoff games. And you'd have to put Brian Flores and Ron Rivera in that group too. Have you had a look at the route to the Super Bowl or is that jinxing it too much for you? Well, sure. I mean, you're like, I've been doing that since I was, you know, 11 years old, like kind of looking at what the potential matchups could be. And, you know, if Cleveland gets through, they're 
probably getting the Chiefs, barring like a huge upset by the Colts. And that would be very interesting. A healthy Browns team versus the, versus the Chiefs is highly intriguing. But I always look ahead a little bit. But in terms of, um, you know, getting ahead of myself, like usually I don't look at all because it's like the Browns aren't involved. It's like I'll just deal with what's, whatever is still existing on Monday. Um, but when you're, a, when you're a Browns fan, of course, you, you, you peek ahead a little bit just to see what the – but the AFC is rough. I don't think there's, there's no easy, easy road there. This is really interesting for me. This season, I'm complaining about, we don't want to hear about what lower teams want to sign new managers. It's all about oh, the totally. playoffs. And I've never had that mentality as a Browns fan. You know, I, I, that's so funny because I was having the same feeling on Monday, the day when a, you know, they, the, where the, a bunch of coaches are fired and there's all this um, gossip about what Team X um, might do at general manager, what they might do uh, at head coach. And usually we're so baked into that and you're trying to out duel other bad teams for this coach that you think might be the one. And I was um, thoroughly uh, bored and disgusted with it because I think it's been 20 years of that. And it's like, when you look back at how things used to be, you don't want to get closer to that. You want to get farther away. All right, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm absolutely gutted we missed you last year in England and I look forward to seeing you and Fingers crossed we beat the Steelers. Go Browns. All right. Thanks for having me. And I hope we see you next week or next year. Thanks so much.